Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. We've defined leadership as a focus on others and influence and doing for others what they can't do for themselves. And that's all completely true. And it is also congruent with us taking care of ourselves uh, because we clearly want to be of the highest value, not just to ourselves and to our family and to the people that love us and the people we love, but to anybody in our sphere of influence. I had written down some time ago, I'd love to tell you that I came up with this, but I didn't. I don't know. I would give attribution to whoever did say it, but for things to change for you, you must change. And so today I thought we'd focus just briefly, Lisa, on on us and what we need to do so that we can increase our value for other people. Uh, I recently had uh, a CD, a certificate of, of deposit, when we sold our house in Texas, had a little bit of money left over after we made another purchase of a house, and I went looking for a high-yield CD, a high-yield bank certificate of deposit, and found one, and it matured after a year, which it just, I mean, it just matured. And, you know, you start looking at it, and this happened to be a 6% CD. And so it was decent. You know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's not, it's not stock market kind of returns, but I, I didn't, I wanted zero risk. I didn't want to put this at any risk. I wanted to take whatever this little amount of money was, and I wanted to grow it. I wanted to increase it. And I would say with the same fervor, hopefully, if we're financially responsible, that we try to do that with our bank accounts or our money or whatever. Do that with your leadership. You know, do that with your career. Somebody else also said work harder on yourself than your job. Now, that isn't saying don't work hard at your job. Mm -hmm. The point is, first things first, put the priority where it belongs because the truth of the matter is if we're working hard on ourselves, we will be working hard on our job. If we're working hard on ourselves and our leadership, we will be working hard to make other people the focus of our work. Right. It's, it, it comes down to forever continuing to improve, finding your gaps, identifying gaps, becoming better than you were yesterday. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot about we're not the smartest person in the room, um, that we are ever evolving as we grow to become better. And I've talked about it a lot in this new role. Um, as, a, as an HR leader, I'd done that a long time, so I was comfortable in my skin, you know, I but I continued to try to expand and serving others, that's where I've grown the most. And I've opened, we've talked about that on this podcast for the last several years, really trying to just grow myself so I can grow my people uh, and influence them to become better and become successful and to achieve what they want to achieve in life and in, in work. Um, but, you know, 
I'm in a new role now and it's different. I'm man- I'm managing four directors that are high experts in their field. It is different. Um, no less or more important than the job I had before as an HR director for my team. It's just different. And even now, I even uh, am looking for ways to serve them well, serve them better. And it's, and it is again, taking a look at myself, what can I do better for them? Um, How can I serve them better so that they are successful? They're already successful as directors, but all of us can grow. It's trying to identify where they need to grow and helping them through that without minimizing what they're so good at as directors. Does that make sense? You don't want to try to come across in a manner that minimizes their value and what they do well, because that's not my intent at all. Um, But I do want to try to help serve them where they can grow and improve and give wisdom and guidance with what I know right now. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot as we move along. But it's different, and, and it's growing is continual. It's it just is ever evolving. To me, it's the difference between we look at other people and we think, man, they need to do this, they need to do this, they need to do that, they need to do this other thing, and maybe that's right, maybe they do. You know, they need to pick up their game. They need they need to improve this, that, and the other, as opposed to thinking, I need to do this or that or the other, so that they can do whatever it is they need to do. I mean, can we as leaders, can we have an influence where we can put people in a better position? Can we influence and impact their ability to perform higher? Can we put can we put our $100 in a 6% CD as opposed to a 4% savings account? The answer is yes, we can. We can yes. put the $100 wherever we want, our argument today in this episode is find the 6% CD as opposed to the 4% savings account. Put it in something that's going to garner higher results, greater results. And it's not going to be through your efforts, but it can be through your choice and it can be through the influence that you have. I had to put the CD in, in the, I had to put the money in the 6% CD. I didn't have to, but, I had to make that choice. The money is agnostic to it all. The money doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And I the money argue, is the same number to start. It's what it, right. it's where it grows. That's right. And I would argue that the same thing really applies to us and whatever abilities we've got that we can invest in our organization and in other people begins with what choices are you making to, to invest in yourself? We've mm-hmm. all heard it. We've all heard it ad nauseum uh, through all the self-improvement experts through all the decades of time. Invest in yourself. The highest ROI, the highest return on investment is when you invest in yourself. But we often think of that in terms of schooling or education, training, and those are appropriate. I'm I'm not negating any of those. But this is an ongoing thing. We're not talking about certificate. If certifications are important in your area, yes, go and get those for sure. But we're talking about investments that you make to just grow and be better. And I think so much of it for me 
stems in whatever this ideal outcome we have, whatever this ideal vision that we have. I just encounter too many people that they would be this, that, or the other. They would be something far better than they are, if only. And I would eliminate that phrase from my vocabulary. If you have the if only syndrome, cure yourself of the if only. Because mm-hmm. there is no if only. I mean, you're the constraint. Yeah. We have met the enemy and he is us. And that's true for everybody. It's true for all of us. And I believe for things to change for me, I must change. The problem with that, I have found, is that doesn't feel good. That's for for too many people, they view that really uncomfortably because it means I'm they people's mind immediately in my estimation it goes immediately to blame and immediately mm-hmm. we or get negativity to, yeah One of we the immediately two. go into into a negative place and we think but I'm not to blame it's not all my fault nobody's saying it is no they get but defensive we're, but, but we're mm-hmm. saying what but what if you accept responsibility for it anyway yeah but I got sick or my parents got sick or this happened or that and that's not my fault no no argument but what are you going to do now. Now, what are you going to do with it? And that's up That's up to us. I learned as a young guy, it just seemed colossally unfair to me, for me every day to come to work, uh, largely running a company that was a sales organization. Mm-hmm. And sales managers, the notorious moniker of a sales manager is, what have you done for me today? What have you done? For I don't me care. Lately? I don't care. I don't care what you <laughs> sold yesterday because that's over. Mm-hmm. But what have you sold today? And while that can be uncomfortable, what I loved about it, it was merit and performance based. And it seems colossally unfair to me as a leader, as the head of an organization, to be challenging people to improve. But I'm unwilling. I'm unwilling to look in the mirror and figure out what, what can I do? Are there things I can do better? I mean, how can I help? Can I better help these people? Are there things that I need to learn or the things that, that I need to improve in my behavior, in my decision-making process? And uh, and I would also say that the big, big downside of, uh, and there's a ton of downsides to leadership failure, but is just selfishness. It's just pure, unadulterated selfishness. And it's born in excuse making. It's born in procrastination. It's born in it's not my fault. Translation, it's not my responsibility. And I found it totally liberating to just accept responsibility for everything. In fact, I found it liberating to accept blame for everything. I don't often say that, but that was a choice that I made as a young guy. Okay, well, I'm just going to take this on. I mean, I couldn't figure out the downside. It was really empowering to me. It felt like, okay, I can do something about this. Mm-hmm. So you know, why it's, not try? It's what I've often found too is um, besides the fact that it's hard for so many, like I'm eager, I'm, I'm, I'm from person eager to improve because why not? Like, What's it going to hurt if I get better? <laughs> you know, I've just always, you talk about being an optimist. I'm like, 
okay, why would I not want to take feedback provided and become better? Now I do caution people, be careful where the feedback's coming from. If somebody's beating you down all the time, I wouldn't give a lot of weight to that feedback if it's continual and it's hateful, right? But if somebody's giving you feedback of, hey, I really want to, you know, I'd like to see you do blah, blah, blah. I'd like to see you get out of the weeds. I'd like to see you, you know, um, think strategic. I'd like to see whatever that that may be. That Why would you not want to do that if they're seeing it and then understand it? Understand what they're seeing so that you, that's something that you can continue to work on and then go to somebody you rely upon to say, hey, I've been challenged with this. Sometimes we don't see it in ourselves, right? Sometimes we don't recognize, uh, oh, well, I thought I was being strategic. You know, I remember having this conversation many, many years ago with Cheryl when she and I first, she was my leader. And when we first um, met and she's like, I want to take you from here to here. I think we talked about it. So my hands at you know, chin level, and now it's above my head. And I was like, well, I'm already here. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking I'm a high performer. So you're saying I'm not a high performer, but I had to absorb like I do and ask. And she goes, no, no, you're, you're an A player. I just want to help you get here. And so I had to understand that more and what that meant and what it did come down to. In my opinion, we'd have to ask her, my opinion, it was perspective. She was new and I was in a place, and we've talked about that, where I was short-staffed. So I was in the weeds. I was having to do the work. She did not see the strategy that I had exhibited for years because she simply wasn't here at the time. So she did have a perspective that I wasn't being strategic based on what she saw in front of her. And I think at that moment, she was absolutely right. I wasn't being strategic. In my mind, I couldn't be, but I didn't make an excuse about it. I just tried to understand what she saw so that I could say, okay, normally I am very strategic, but you're exactly right. Right now I am not being strategic. I'm just trying to survive. Um, And we kind of dialogued around it. And I think that brings respect to have those conversations in in that at the time, because she was willing to listen and I was willing to hear. Right. Um, I mean, it, it worked both ways as, as we take feedback and as we work to improve, The other thing I was going to say that I see so often is in society nowadays, I've seen a shift over my 25 years, um, just as an adult too, as a mother, as a wife, there's been great sensitivity as we've raised our kids. They're more sensitive. Like I'm, you know, it's water off a duck's back for me. A lot of times Um, there may be certain things that I'm more sensitive to than others, but I see a greater sensitivity and it's creating a hesitance in leaders to want to have conversations with people that are genuine and honest about here's, here's where I see you can improve. Here's why I see you can develop. They are afraid to have the conversation because their reactions are continually poor. And I think how much different it is from 25 years ago, it's hard for me to determine because I've evolved in my growth as well. But I didn't see, um, there's, I think there's just uh, more sensitivity nowadays to criticism. And we've got to learn to change the delivery to a positive message that, like you said, in serving others, we are, we are doing this because we have their best interest at heart. I have always leaned into that when I've given counsel 
when I've given um, input and say, here's where I see you need to develop, here's where I see your gap is, but here's why, and how are we going to, how might we work on that moving forward? What do you see? Um, and usually I can get buy-in, but when I've worked with leaders over the years, they're very hesitant. They're afraid they're going to bring morale down. They're afraid criticism is going to create uh, exodus. In other words, people will just simply leave right. versus trying to improve. They're afraid to coach and counsel because they just don't want to have the conversation and have a response. And to me, we must not give in to that temptation to avoid accountability because, like you said, we are then selfish. We are focused on what's good for us, not what's good for them. We must have an interest in our team and developing them and talking about those gaps and helping them understand and see we are here to help them become successful in those areas. We are not calling it out because it's a detriment and a fault. We are calling it out because it's a gap and can become a strength. Yeah, and here's a newsflash. If, if you're early in your career, this is a huge learning point. So perk your ears up and take note. No matter how the delivery happens, if you will find a way to view this as an opportunity for you to invest in yourself and get a higher return on your own life, your own career, then take the feedback. If it's a boss you respect, sure, you may not love the delivery. But instead of getting your nose bent out of shape and being offended by it, take it. Take it as the value that you can if you make the choice and use it and leverage it to give you a higher return on investment of your own career. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't, this is not old guy versus young guy thing. This has been a problem forever. In the early days of my career, I saw people do it. Here's what life has taught me. The high performers tend to view it that way. They tend to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, meaning they don't take the criticism and immediately discount it because, A, they don't like who delivered it. B, I don't like the way it was delivered. They immediately think, mm, okay, what can I learn from this? Mm -hmm. And leverage it. And they do that because they're willing. They know they want to change things for themselves, and in order to do that, they know they need to change. They need to improve. They need to grow. And this whole lifelong learning, which is hopefully a journey that we've all embarked on, means we do have to work hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this is not easy work. The easy stuff is for a leader to avoid having the conversation. I'm afraid the response will be too negative. I'm just not going to bring it up. Yeah, it's not so worth it. To me, that's you know. cowardly because now you're robbing this person of an opportunity to learn something and grow mm -hmm. and they might not otherwise have the opportunity. I have used forever Don Stoffel when I was a teenage hi-fi sales guy pulling me aside and correcting me in how I had addressed an older shopper. And it, it was a correction that took all of, I doubt it took 60 seconds, but he did it for me and it was 50 years ago. And you remember it and talk it was about 50 it 50 years ago. And I talk about it all the time. I tell anybody who will listen, you know, he didn't have to, he could have thought, I don't, you know, this 16 year old kid 
I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. I mean, it's not like this is a career employee. You know, I mean, he's teenage help. He could have, but that's not what he chose to do. Instead, what he chose, he chose to invest in me. But the guy who did that, is it lost on any of us that that guy had to first invest in himself? I mean, do any of us doubt that he took his metaphorical $100 bill and he put it in a 6% CD as opposed to a 4% savings account? No Uh question in my mind he did that. Well, hello, there's leadership. We want to foster people to make wise choices and yet do the right thing. And doing the right thing is not always easy. Right. And, and, and you can't, you have to be focused on what is in it for that person. What, why are we doing it? We are doing it to serve them. We are doing it to help them become better. We have influence and the ability. And why would we not want to do that? You know, when I talked about sensitivity, that cannot, that cannot be an excuse. Um, what you have to do instead, like you mentioned, is focus on the delivery. This is where it comes into knowing your people, what is important to them, what is sensitive to them. Um, everybody's made up differently. We're all human. There's no one of us exactly alike. And thank goodness for that. As Don would always say, there's Lisa, there can only be one of you. And that's plenty in this world. <laughs> and he loves me. But, you know, there's, you don't want too many of the same person, <laughs> you know. So I I talk about that because... You have to look at each person, what they bring to the table, and then what you can do to serve them to make them better. Um, know how to approach them. If it bothers them, get back with them. It's simple follow-up. It's just, hey, I know that was that seemed hard to hear yesterday. Have you had a chance to think about it? How, how do you feel today? Just show care and concern, um, but don't avoid it. Avoiding it is your weakness, not theirs. Right. It does. It does no good. Have you got any parting shots? I mean, use yourself as a, as a, as an example, if you want of things that you do to change for you changes that, that you make in yourself. And I don't mean specifics, but tactically and strategically, how do you go about that? So if you find yourself where you really want things to change for you, and you want to grow and you want to get better in any particular things that come to your mind that you do that work well, for you? You know, for, for me first is, um, listening. I I've been fortunate that there's a couple of ways that I'd approach this. Um, first I've been fortunate because I have people that just tell me, Hey, I'd like, I'd, I'd like to see you do this or that. But I also tell them if you see anything, tell me because I want to become better. So that's one is I ask, I ask for genuine feedback and I have provided a consistent response that they know I'm genuine. When I say I want feedback, I want feedback. What do you see that I need to do better? You um, act like and you th- mean it. I do. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> you and I, that. and they see me respond to it. That's so right. it has to be proven through it's my truth, yeah, right? You don't, I, you I, don't repel feedback. Because you ask for it and you accept it when you get it. And some people ask for it. They don't really want it. That's right. They think they're good enough and they don't think they're going to get anything. And then when you tell them, they're like, whoa, (laughs) you know, I'm not like that. I do 
want feedback. I do. Uh, I want to improve. Second, for me, I'm a uh, I'm a thinker. I'm a I'm an assessor. So I have to really think about okay, what were they saying? And typically, I come back for me with more questions of saying, okay, I need clarity because here's what I see that I'm doing that I believe is that you see it differently. What are you seeing? And I try to align with what they are wanting out and from me so that I can say, okay, I I need to make sure I understand perspective. Then I try to figure out, okay, what can I do better? Because one of the things I've learned in um, my journey is I'm not just going to do everything because somebody asks it of me. In other words, if they ch- I want you to do this, I want you to use a task master, task master list. I want you to use this new OneNote. I want you to, I have to assess, and like you've always taught me, I need to lean into me. I need to know what's successful for me and how I work and how I think to become a better version of Lisa. I'm not trying to be Randy. I'm not trying to be Cheryl. I'm not trying to be an author that I see down to the road that I love. I'm just trying to be a better Lisa tomorrow. And so that's the best advice I can give is for me, me, Lisa, I have to think on what you've told me, confirm understanding of what it is that you think I need to improve upon. So it's clear. And I've got clarity around that and then go, okay, now what can I do to become better and practice it? It's a consistent, intentional application. I don't just kind of happenstance hope that I do it. I really have to focus on what do I need to do to improve that for the long term and become better than I am today. And what if you don't get, what if you don't, what about the areas where you may not get direct feedback? What about areas where you've just made some self assessment and you think, you know, I'd like to get better at this or that or the other. Talk a bit about Um, that. Yeah, on those, um, that's really for me, come more around the team. We've talked about this in um, podcast pasts where I, I can crank, I can crank work out. I can get things done that leadership needs done. I can do projects well. Um, one area I have to continually focus on is team and team spirit and team, you know, building. I'm naturally a relationship builder. So it's not like I don't develop the relationships, but getting the team. Um, to build upon one another, um, getting the team to trust and instilling that as a culture. Uh, those are things that I identified in years past that I really had to be thoughtful of. And in those areas, honestly, it was asking questions of others. So in that case, and every case is going to be different, but in that case, I went to my team and said, here, I feel there's a gap. I feel well, we are not connected. I feel like we've lost, this was all during this COVID, you know, when we're all out, we're virtual. I felt like we were losing, we didn't really know each other as a team. And I feel when you don't know each other well as a team, you just don't bond and support each other as genuinely. You're each doing your own job and it's not a unity unified team. So in those cases, I went to the team and said, here's what I see. What do you what do you feel and what do you see and think? And I told them it's a safe place. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. And we just openly dialogued about it. And then I took that and said, okay, now what do I do with that? How can I? And I just, I just honestly had to think on it and really say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. What would work? What is my ideal outcome? 
In other words, I want a team spirit. I want them to believe in each other. I want them to support one another without judgment. I mean, there were some key things I had to define what I wanted. And then I had to figure out how am I going to get them there? And it took, in the case of developing a team and a culture, it took a good solid two years because we would try some things that would work. Then we had to evolve those and and mold them a little bit more. Some things I tried didn't work at all. They were non-productive. I got rid of those. Um, but eventually things stuck and we started building on it. Um, that's that's kind of how I approach the non-feedback items that I see that I know I need to improve upon and then work to make it better for the team because there is no perfection. It's just better. Yeah, my parting shot would be view your career as an investment because it is. And that investment can stay static. You can take your metaphorical $100 bill and you can put it in a drawer. And 10 years from now, it'll be there. 20 years from now, it'll be there. 50 years from now, it'll be there. It'll still be the $100. Or you can view your career the way that we view our money. And you can want to grow that. And you can put that in something that can garner a higher return. Yes, there is risk and yes, there's reward. Just like with your money, you can, you can make a risky investment that could have a high potential to pay off, but you might lose the hundred dollars. You might lose your career. No, I would not advise you to do that, but you could, you could, you know, the advice quite frankly is in a nutshell is make the investment in yourself so that over time, in the short haul and in the long haul, you are more valuable tomorrow than you were today. And 10 years from now, more valuable still, 15 years more valuable still. And when you do that, you will find that your value will be not only for you and your career, but it will be for everybody around you. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.